Welcome, Raise Your Inner Game. Today, I'm David Levin. This is our Friday episode, so we're talking all things inner game. Tuesdays are for sports and sports parenting. Fridays are for everyone. So how are you today? How are things with your inner game? Anything pulling at your attention, making things difficult, stressed, pressure, anxious, tired, anything like that? Or are things pretty good? For me, things are pretty good. I'm still recovering from our ski trip last week, which I'll talk about more in a minute. We came home to a bunch of snow on the ground, which isn't the happiest thing for me, but it's melting off now. So overall, I'm a little sniffly this morning, but things are pretty good. So we have some good things to talk about today. Of course, my ups and downs for the week, the importance of courage and honor, uh, the Fox News news pushing election lies they knew were false, Leonardo da Vinci, on the key to success. Uh, friend of the pod and financial advisor Molly Binger joins us again for more helpful financial advice. Uh, Charging Station Challenge of the Week and a couple of great new shows to talk about. So I'll start with ups and downs. What things were lifting me up this past week, <coughs> excuse me, and what things were pulling me down, making life harder. In the ups column for me this week, and actually this is both ups and downs uh, again, but it's our ski trip. Oh my goodness, we were in Colorado last week. First time having the kids ski in the Rockies. This was sort of a bucket list item for me, especially with Peter going off to college next year. I really wanted to get us all out there together while he was still with us. So we did it. We drove 18 hours to Winter Park, Colorado for three days of skiing. And it was great. And it was also really hard in a bunch of ways. The drive was hard took longer than we expected, ended up spending the night in Nebraska on the way out because of weather in the mountains. The altitude absolutely kicked my ass and gave us all trouble, both the fatigue of, you know, lacking oxygen and the dry air. The base uh, at Winter Park and, and where we stayed was like 9,000 feet. Most of the skiing was at around 11,000 feet, and it's like 800 feet where we live. So... <laughs> I was feeling that the whole time. It got a little better near the end, but even on the day we were leaving, right, after we'd been there like five days, we were still huffing and puffing, climbing the stairs in the house where we were staying. And as soon as we got home, I felt twice as strong as I had earlier. And not just the lungs, the legs, the whole body, everything. It was really something. So I'm saying more about what was hard than what was good. But even with all that, it really was a great trip. The skiing was amazing, uh, though the weather was actually not great most of the time. Uh, the place itself is beautiful. I always love the Rockies and a nice ski village. There's something about that aesthetic that really appeals to me. It's great to have the kids experience uh, that and see what real skiing uh, is like. I was really happy to do it, even though it pushed me right up next to my limit. And I honestly probably wouldn't do it again without at least having a lot more time to adjust the altitude first. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention, the first morning we're supposed to ski, we're getting ready after all this preparation, the long drive, the anticipation, the effort to get there. I'm pulling on my ski socks and something clicks in my lower back. And I'm like, oh no, I did not just throw up my back, but I did. And I spent the whole rest of the trip barely able to move. No joke. I was okay once I was up. I mean, I could ski 
and I did every day, perhaps against uh, doctor's orders. <laughs> but sitting down, just killed it. Getting back up was so slow and painful. And it's still not fully back to normal. One interesting thing, kind of related to that, if you know the Raise Your Inner Game material, there are four levels, and level one is the most primitive survival-based state, and there are many things that can trigger us and pull us into that level, especially physical things like pain and oxygen deprivation. And so there were a few times on this trip where the combination of those things and the fatigue clicked me into that level one state that I almost never get into. And most of us really almost never get into there. One particular moment, we're on the mountain, it was our last day, had just pushed across an open area, had to, you know, pull across there. They got me just really, really tired and huffing and puffing. And some guy pushed across our path, accidentally caught Frances's pole, pulled it out of her hand, it fell to the ground. It's hard to pick that back up. Honestly, it was sort of comical and a totally normal thing to happen. There were a lot of people up there. It was super crowded. It was an honest mistake. But that clicked me into level one. And I basically wanted to strangle the guy. I mean, I really, oof, I was just enraged by it, so angry. And it was kind of shopping, shocking, not shopping, to observe in myself. It was a really powerful, overwhelming feeling. I said something in that state to the kids that sort of horrified them too. Swore about it, cursed the guy. Peter actually uh, asked me to, <laughs> it's embarrassing, to control my outbursts. So I'm laughing now, uh, but it was not good. I was not proud of that in, in one bit, in one bit. Is that the right way to say that? Now, of course, again, right? It's not really in my control. I was reacting to the physical triggers and they were very powerful and real. They took over and clicked me into that state. And this is exactly what I talk about in the book, in the training. That's how it works. But it was still just interesting and powerful to observe it happening in myself. It was a great reminder of how that works. And then a moment later, I catch up on the oxygen, I get a breath, and it passes. That's really something. Anyway, those are my ups and downs for the week. Our epic ski journey, the amazing beauty of the Rockies and the skiing and being there with my family. And at the same time, getting my ass kicked by it all and seeing the effects of that on my state. My goodness, that's quite a trip. All right, that's ups and downs. Next up, our quote of the week. All right, our quote of the week. This week we will hear from Aristotle, making ourselves a little fancy here. Aristotle <laughs> lived in the fourth century BC. He was a, just a hugely influential Greek philosopher thinker, just a giant in so many areas. Hard to imagine, really, someone having that kind of impact over such a long period of time. Thousands of years, we're still thinking about it. Anyway, he says, you will never do anything in this world without courage. It is the greatest quality of the mind next to honor. You'll never do anything in this world without courage. It's the greatest quality of the mind next to honor. I really think that's true. Courage is the key to living the life we want because so much of what we need to do and want to do is scary, right? We have to 
overcome our insecurity. We have to push through our fears and put ourselves out there and try things and suggest things and ask for help and stand up for things and stand up against things we think are wrong. It's all difficult and frightening and we don't know what we're doing, but we have to do it anyway and keep moving forward and that takes courage. The other part of this uh, that we don't think about as much is the need for will, for the will force required to do the scary thing or really to do anything. You can't have courage without will because courage implies action and action requires will. And it's worth mentioning this because we can get to a place and hopefully we're kind of naturally in this place where we know the right thing to do. We have moral clarity around that but we don't quite have the will to do it. That's not a great place to be. In fact, it might even be worse emotionally than not having that insight in the first place. But the good news is we can fix that. We can strengthen our will. It's one of my favorite things about the Raise Your Inner Game material is that it's one of the best ways to boost your willpower. And when you can do that, um, that just affects everything. It makes a huge difference in being able to do the things that make you proud of yourself, which ultimately is the most important thing. So anyway, that is our quote for today from Aristotle. You'll never do anything in this world without courage, and I would add will, is <laughs> the greatest quality of the mind next to honor. So think about that. We'll move on to top stories. All right, top stories. This week, my top story comes from the news about Fox News. And this ties in perfectly with what we just talked about with courage and honor because it is a textbook example of the opposite of those, of cowardice and greed and disgrace. So the story is, if you don't know, during the 2020 election and the whole period of the big lie after that leading up to January 6th, all the big Fox stars, Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, all the big hosts were privately saying to each other that they knew it was bullshit. It was crazy. It was harmful. It was dangerous. But on the air, they kept pushing it, bringing on guests they knew were lying, going over it again and again and again, never saying in public what they knew to be true. And why were they doing that? Because not doing it was starting to hurt their ratings. Their crazy audience was starting to leave and switch over to their more extreme competitors who were telling them what they wanted to hear. So in other words, it was all about money. They intentionally put our country, our democracy, really everything at risk for money. Cowardice, greed, disgrace. When people spy for other countries, and choose to do harm to our country for money, they are traitors. They are tried for treason. How is this any different at its heart? I'm not saying legally. I don't know about that. I'm saying morally. I don't see how they are guilty of any less. I don't know how they live with themselves, how they look in the mirror, how they look at their children and the example they're setting. It's just about the worst thing imaginable to me. No honor, no sense of decency, pure greed and fear. It's beyond shameful. 
On our Tolstoy scale, how does this serve humanity? <laughs> no surprise, but this is as bad as it gets, using their massive power and influence purely for personal gain, no matter the cost to anyone and everyone else. It's as bad as it gets. Anyway, that's my top story this week. Fox News is revealed to be the lying, greedy cowards and traitors that they are. That's nice, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Next up, Intergame Gold. All right, Intergame Gold. These are the ideas and concepts I come back to over and over to help me stay on track. So now and then we also revisit them because I think you'll find them helpful. Uh, last episode, we talked about the excellent uh, Marshawn Lynch technique where you look in the mirror and ask yourself, what kind of person do you want to be? I think we can be pretty confident that the folks at Fox don't do that. This week, I want to touch again on the quote from Leonardo da Vinci that I opened the Raise Your Name book with. The height of a person's success is gauged by their self-mastery. The height of a person's success is gauged by their self-mastery. So the metric for it, the measure of how successful they are, is their self-mastery. So this, for me, uh, at least this week, ties into my skiing story earlier, where I clicked into level one mode in front of my kids. Now, again, I had no control over that initial state. Those triggers were purely physical. And, you know, when we work on boosting our mental game, which we absolutely can do and make great gains, um, the goal in that is to no longer be affected by things in our environment, in our inner world. That's just not possible. This is hardwired into us. The goal is to learn to be able to rise above it and not have it take control. So in this case, uh, again, I didn't have control over getting pulled into that state initially, but I did have control over whether it took over in that moment. And I didn't keep it from happening. And it could have been worse. I might have said something to that guy, right? It could have gotten uh, much worse. I could have stayed angry for a... Uh, stay angry. Wait, that's not right. I could have stayed angry for a lot longer, right? I snapped out pretty quickly. The whole thing probably lasted less than 30 seconds. Nevertheless, uh, it was a harmful experience. It frightened uh, a little bit and offended, bothered my children. Felt bad about that. Felt bad about myself for it. So this is coming back to that quote, right? Self-mastery is the metric for our feeling of success. The more proud I can be of myself, the more successful I feel about myself as a person. And the key to being proud of myself, at least one important key, is to not let myself get pulled into a place where I think or act in a way that I feel bad about. And it's not only lashing out at someone, like my ski story, it's avoiding dessert when I'm trying to eat well, it's getting to bed on time, it's turning off my phone with my family, it's any number of things I know would be better for me and that I would feel better about that I don't do. But I would do if I had stronger self-mastery. So anyway, that is our inner game gold for the week. The height of a person's success is gauged by their self-mastery and why I find it so helpful. The more I remember that and work on my self-mastery, 
the better and more successful I feel. All right, think about that. We'll move on to raise your outer game. All right, raise your outer game, where we talk about things we care about in our outer life, our health, our relationship, our finances. And this week, we are joined again by friend of the pod and financial advisor extraordinaire, Molly Binger. Molly, how are you today? How's your inner game doing? I am great. Life is good. Trying to push through this gray winter fog of February, but otherwise, everything's great. That's excellent. All right, so... Uh, what should we talk about today? What's on your mind for us? Well, given that it's March already, which is insane, as my team teases me, I already came in yesterday and said less than 10 months to Christmas, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's always amazing how quick it comes. But talking to a lot of clients this time of year about obviously gathering together all the documents and everything needed for filing taxes coming up here on April 18th, I believe is the deadline this year. So just some thoughts, you know, around how that conversation goes and all the things that are still controllable from January to April 18th during this kind of unique time of the year when you can still impact how that 2020 return looks when you file. Sure. Yeah, that's interesting because I was... I always kind of forget that. I always think everything has to be done by January 1st or forget about it. That's not really true, is it? Yeah. So it's it's interesting, you know, like everything, I feel like things are a little over overly complex, right, when it comes to all the rules and regulations around certain types of accounts and different types of plans. So it is interesting because there are certain things like, you know, your group benefits or your you know, a lot of times calendar year on healthcare plans and calendar year on your 401k if you're W-2 employee and have that as an option. But there's a lot of stuff that you can do up until that tax filing deadline still for the prior year. So those are the types of things that we really like to check in with clients on during kind of this next month and a half to make sure they're checking off all the boxes possible if cash flow allows. Um, so just kind of wanted to chat through some of those unique things that are still controllable. That's perfect. So let's hear them. Okay. So, so one big thing during this time is for a lot of clients, you can't even do certain things until you know what their adjusted gross income. That's a big thing. The modified adjusted gross income is mm. for the prior year. So there's a whole subset of people, you know, I'd say quite a few in this day and age where both people work or one person kind of works part-time out of a, a family or a couple partnership relationship in the financial household. And you don't really know what your total income is going to shake out to be until you start to get those documents in the mail in January and plug it into TurboTax or if you have an advisor do it for you. And if your adjusted gross income, at least for 2022, thinking back to, you know, to last year, is for a couple under 204,000, that's an important number, um, and it can go up to 214, there's a little bit of a phase out rule there, then they can qualify to do what's called Roth IRA contributions. Okay, so for a lot of clients who are kind of 
you know, maybe together as a couple, they make anywhere from 220 to 250,000 combined. We kind of have to wait and see where all their deductions shake out to know if they truly can contribute. Um, otherwise, they're forced to have to do what's called an excess removal and take that contribution back out, which can be mm. kind of a pain. So we kind of wait and see where this adjusted gross income line comes out to be. And then if they're under 204,000 and of course have the cash flow and cash reserves to support it, that's a big thing for people to try to do is contribute into Roth IRAs for last year still. Um, yeah, it's yeah. also an interesting time of year because this is when a lot of people do bonuses, right? Or compensation reviews mm. at work and things like that. So it's a great time to get a bonus, right? For 2023, that's going to be taxable, you know, not until you file next year and still be able to use that to fund a contribution for last mm. year during mm. this window. Okay. Yeah. And can you just quick... Uh, remind folks, because I have to remind myself now and then to what the Roth IRA is compared to other options and why it's such a great thing to, uh, a great vehicle to use for investment. Yeah, yeah, great question. So remember the 401k, right, that most of us have available through an employer plan is pre-tax, meaning you have your pay stub and let's say your total gross income on the pay stub is $3,000. Right. If you have 10% going into your 401k, that is minus. It's pre-tax. It goes directly in there before you ever pay taxes on it. So it saves you in the here and now. It goes into this hidden bucket that's sheltered from taxes, and it's saved, saved, saved until you retire, at which point all of it is taxable. Okay. And at the bottom line of that pay stub, if it was just that simple, gross income, minus 401k, your net pay would be 2,700, right? Yep. Or no, 2,300, because it's 10%, $600 would be going into that 401k, okay? And that 20%? I don't know, math, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the Roth, on the other hand, you know, once those dollars are deposited into your checking account, you've already paid taxes on them, right? They're just in your checking account. And now you can choose, it's just something you set up individually, to open a Roth IRA. An IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. Okay, that's what any IRA stands for. So you own it as an individual. And Roth simply means that the contributions are going in after tax. You already paid taxes on them. And the earnings, if you're investing those dollars, over the long period of time are tax-free. You never pay tax on those earnings if they're for retirement, okay? So it's kind of the opposite of a 401k. And in that sense, it goes really well hand in hand together where one's a tax benefit now, but I gotta pay later. And the other's not a tax benefit now, but it's tax-free later and gives you some control over your retirement income. And there's some and so, other rules around Roths. You know, you can access what you put in at any time because it's after-tax money, so it's a little more flexible. But it's just a great vehicle and still something you can control even January to April. Yeah, and so um, if you have an instinct that tax rates will go up, 
over the next, you know, 30, however many years you're going to be hopefully investing this money. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just kind of makes, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? It seems to me yeah. that as I hear the people talk about it, um, I just hear all the time saying, oh, just do the Roth. It's just, maybe you'll think the rates will go down. I don't know. But um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, you sounds like you recommend people use the Roth wherever they can. Whenever you can, if you qualify, right? Depending upon the yeah. adjusted gross income amount, yeah. it's always a great thing to do when cash flow can support it, obviously. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't go into debt just to fund the Roth. But especially with unknowns around where tax rates might end up, if you have both options, right, complementing a pre-tax 401k with an after-tax Roth IRA, it's kind of the perfect marriage. You're hedging your bets either way. No matter which yeah. way tax rates go, you kind of got some benefit now and you'll get some benefit later and vice versa. Do the 401ks also have a, a qualif- qualifying level? Yes. So that's another thing that we look at now. You can't obviously contribute for last year still into a 401k. That's a strict mm. calendar year rule. Okay. But for every year, the maximum increases, right? So for last year on the Roth side, you each individual could put in $6,000 if you qualified. And after age 50, you can put in an additional 1000 So there's a $7,000 cap. Versus for 2023 on the Roth, it's now 6,500 that a person can contribute if they qualify and 7,500 if you're over 50. Whereas on the 401k side of things, last year, the maximum you could shelter from taxes, if you will, or pre-tax deduct was 20,500. And that's increased now this year to 22,500 that's deductible. And if you're over 50 with the catch-up contribution, it's actually for 2023 moving forward, an additional on top of the 22,500, 7,500 you can get in there over 50. So you can actually hide in 2023 up to $30,000 off of your taxes, which in some cases is the lever you can pull to lower your adjusted gross income that can still allow you to contribute into the Roth, right? So those two things, you know, in a perfect world, you can kind of control all that. Um, Not always the case in reality, right? Because you have bills and life and other things to consider. Um, But those are, those are kind of the levers you can pull. Quite a lot to remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Helpful to have so someone who understands them. one other thing that is maneuverable still up until April 15th, which a lot of people, especially who have them through work, don't think about, is your HSA. Okay. Mm. So you can contribute into an HSA for the prior year up to that tax filing deadline. That's another mm. one that you can backdate contributions for. And that's really cool because you can deduct your contributions into an HSA. And then if you're spending those dollars on healthcare expenses, they're tax free on the back end too. So it's kind of the only account that gives you a front end tax benefit of those dollars you contributed lowering your taxable income. And on the back end, you still don't have to pay taxes on those dollars if they're spent for health care. And the HSA just 
hurts my head all the time. I can just not get my head around it. Um, is that also uh, limited by income? Not income. Um, you do have to participate in a high deductible health plan. So that's okay. the rule around the HSA. But a lot of people will say, well, I do participate in a high deductible health plan, but I don't have an HSA option provided for me by my employer. And mm -hmm. the rule is that you participate in a high deductible health plan. So you can still, even if it's not provided for you, like by your employer through payroll deductions, you can still open an HSA, you know, go online and open an HSA with health equitable, or there's a lot of companies that offer them and you can fund them independently. Um, mm. And the only rules around them is there is a maximum contribution limit. Okay. So for last year, it was 3,350 for individuals, I think, mm. and 7,350 for a family under a plan. And that increased this year too. So I think this year okay. it's 3,850 for individuals and 7,850 for family plan, something right around there. Okay. I think ours is an independent one like that. I don't remember. I don't. I, I genuinely don't. It might be work related to. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I mean, the so the easiest thing is if it's through payroll, you know, it's just coming out before you even think about it. Um, yeah. But it doesn't mean it's not an option if yeah. if you don't have one available through work. That's great. So those are the two main things to think about during this January to April period: the yeah. Uh, yeah. Roth those options and maybe the and HSA. Then, Yep, yep. Those are the main two controllable levers you can pull. The HSA does lower your income for last year, so it can save a little bit on your actual return when you file. Mm -hmm. The Roth doesn't, you know, impact what you're going to owe in or re receive back as a refund, but it's still a smart thing to do if you can do it. Excellent. So hopefully folks will talk to their advisor and, and work those out. One question occurred to me. Um, I don't know how to frame it. It seems to me that uh, someone could sit down around tax time, hopefully with an advisor who can really help them understand it all. And even though they couldn't do anything to, like I, we couldn't do anything now, much beyond what you just talked about to affect our 2022 uh, returns. But, you know, our situation will sort of reveal that there might really be some things we should do differently this year. Mm -hmm. to help us going forward. What are some typical things, just one or two typical things you'll see somebody come in with and you'll want to say to them, let's try some, let's take some different tackle what you're doing this year to really help things for next year. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Um, I would say there's probably two or three main things to look at because it's only March, right? That's great because it means you still have 10 months left of this year to mm. control the outcome of your 2023, you know, tax situation. Right? Yeah. And so for that, the main things you look at is you look based on last year's return. The ideal is if you've already filed for 2022, you can kind of use that as a baseline. And the first thing that we kind of want to look at is if a client has owed in a lot of money, right? Where's that driven from? Is it a one-time occurrence because of an inheritance or something unique? Or are they simply just not withholding enough, right, on their payroll deductions? A lot of times people set those when they first get a job, which could have been 
10, 15 years ago. And then a lot of life changes happen, right? They, their income keeps going up. Maybe they're now filing married, whereas before they were filing single and they just never changed it. And a lot of people accidentally under withhold, right? And, and they don't really realize that you can be very specific with what you want payroll to withhold for taxes. So for example, if a client, you know, accidentally was just not withholding very much or still listed as single, you know, on their W-4, you can change that to married claiming zero, right? And then if it still seems like the math isn't gonna work out, the IRS even has a great tool on irs.gov now to calculate out what your payroll deduction should be or withholding should be. And you can specifically say to your payroll department, I want you, because I owed in five grand last year and I have 20 payroll periods left this year in March through December, to withhold an extra $200 federal per paycheck. So you can be very specific to the dollar amount of what you want someone to over withhold, right, for federal and state. So that's one thing just to help budget that in so that every year it's not a cycle of we owe in another eight grand and now that's depleting the reserves we built up and now we don't have enough cash for emergencies and kind of building mm. it back up. And that mm. can just help budget that in, right? Sure. The other thing that you can definitely control from here on out, especially with people that have bonuses as a one-time pay in April or something, is how much they really determine is the right amount to put in that 401k for the year, right? If they're under 50, they can each, both, if they have an op the option for it, hide up to $22,500 in those 401k plans. And if they're over 50, 30. Right. So in a couple, that's 60 grand. You can potentially pull the lever on from here to December to decide, should we be paying taxes on that income this year or postponing that till the future? And is that something you do again with your employer just in your withholding typically? You just can log into your 401k site and determine, OK, should we be contributing 10 percent this year or 15 or 20? I see. You know. To, to get you closer to those maximums. Nice. Yeah. And the only other thing I would say that is a big thing only for self-employed people, right, is the SEP IRA. I, um, it's not the true term, but I think of it as self-employed person IRA, S-E-P, right? Because that's an easy way to get the terminology in your head. That is one other one that you can still backdate for 2022. Mm. And most people who have self-employed income do wait until they kind of know their total income for the prior year, because you can put up to 25% of that into mm. a SEP IRA as a deduction. You know, so nice. someone works on the side and does graphic design work and they earned 20 grand last year, they can technically put up to $5,000 in the SEP IRA independent from their 401k if that helps them on their taxes that is excellent all right so those are the things we wanted to talk about this week yeah yeah i mean a lot of moving parts and a lot to remember yeah, but, yeah. and it's got to be right you know it's not for everyone and it has to be work well for what your
your goals are and what your cash flow situation is. Um, but those are the main controllables up until April 18th. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you. And that is our Raise Your Outer Game for this week. Molly, thank you again. Very helpful. Thanks, David. Everyone, Molly will uh, join us again next week, so we'll look forward to that. And next up is our Charging Station Challenge. All right, our challenge of the week. Last week, we had you resist at least one pull every day, like I think the main example is not checking your phone when you're with your family. Such a great exercise. Hope you enjoyed that. This week, I want to stick with the theme of self-mastery, but turn it from the negative to the positive. Here's what I mean. With the resisting your phone exercise, you were trying to do less of something. You were trying to reduce a negative from your daily life. This week, let's try to add a positive, something you'd feel like was an improvement. So maybe it's walking for 10 minutes every day. Maybe it's getting to bed on time so you get a good night's sleep. Whatever it is, think of some little thing that would be good to do and that you would also feel good about because you did it, and then set yourself a challenge to do it every day for the next six days, whatever it takes for you to remember and do that thing six days in a row. That is the challenge for this week. Give that a try. See if that doesn't feel like something. I'm laughing now because I know it will. It's just these kind of things are remarkable. The difference, they, the surprising boost they give us way beyond the thing itself. And of course, bonus points for sharing what you do and your comments and experiences about it in the community. If you're not in the community yet, click the link in the notes. It's free. Just register. You can go straight into the challenge. And that's it for this week's Charging Station Challenge. Next up, highly recommended. All right, so these are the things I'm crazy about right now. Crazy-ish sometimes. Books, shows, gadgets, things that I'm loving and recommend. So I have two new shows to talk about this week. The first is on HBO Max. It's called The Last of Us. You've probably heard about this. I think it's gotten quite a bit of press. This is adapted from a video game, uh, which is interesting. Our son, uh, who played the game, has been telling us about how great it is, really trying to push us to get to watch it. We finally started watching it during our vacation, and he was right. It's great. It's creepy. You know, it's partially based on uh, zombies, <laughs> but... Um, a really good take on that, by the way. It's not its not gratuitous. It's not meant to be shocking for shocking sakes. Uh, it's, you know, it's a little hard and scary at times, but overall, it's really well done. Beautiful story. Highly recommended. The other show is on Apple TV. It's called Hello Tomorrow. It's a very interesting show. It's set in the 50s. Uh, but it's an alternate 50s where it's also super futuristic, like the Jetsons. They have flying cars and jetpacks and robot dog walkers. Visually, it's really fun. All these gadgets, again, they're super futuristic, but they have that design aesthetic that you expect to see in the 50s. Ah, it's really kind of, it's quite fun. Uh, the story is a little hard, basically just because it's about lying and manipulating. That's not quite the heart of it. I guess the heart of it's why I still like it. There's better than that. But, but the story itself has a lot to do with that. 
Um, but it still, like I said, has a ton of heart. Good acting, super cool and fun visually. I'm only three episodes in, so it might not stay good. That's happened before. But for now, I'm enjoying it, and I recommend it. All right, that's highly recommended for this week, The Last of Us and Hello Tomorrow. And that's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please do tell your friends, invite them to join us, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Helps more people find the show, get the mental game boost we all need. If you have teenagers in sports, check out our mental game starter kit. It's a great set of resources to help get you starting on the path of helping your child boost their mental game. Just go to raiseyourinnergame.com, scroll to the bottom of the page there. You can learn about it and register. All free, super helpful resources. If you'd like to support the show so we can keep things ad-free, please click the Buy Me a Coffee link below, and thank you for that. For more mental game goodness, please join our free community, the Raise Your Inner Game Charging Station. Click the link here, or go to raiseyourinnergame.com community. Totally free. Again, you'll love it. If you're listening to this on audio, but you like video, we post all our episodes on our YouTube channel as well. There's a link to that in the show notes. And finally, we will close with Leo Tolstoy, who we just talked about. Again, from the Raise Your Inner Game book, the ultimate purpose in life is to serve humanity. Serve humanity. That's what we're doing. That's the metric. Serving the people in our lives. It's super important. So keep up the good work, and we'll see you next time.